ERP is about potentials. And if we cannot unlock the potentials, then we are stuck. We are having an investment, but we cannot benefit from the investment. Hello and welcome to The Growth Business, a podcast sponsored by Sapphire Systems, frictionless digital platform provider and leading partner for SAP, Infor and ServiceNow. Today, I'm joined by Amini Albana. Amini is a different kind of guest for me because she's an academic, a professor in information systems at the Royal Holloway University in London. I thought that given how much we look at business technology through the lens of the analysts, as well as the end users, I wondered what would happen if we came at it from a slightly different perspective. So welcome to you, Amini. Thank you very much, uh, Lucy, and thank you for having me. It's excellent for you to be here. Now, how did you um, come to be studying business systems? Did you start off in business yourself? Uh, yes, I started in business. Uh, that was a long time ago. And then um, at that time, uh, ERP was a new phenomenon. So this is back in the 1990s. Uh, so since then, I studied uh, ERP uh, systems implementation in different organizations, in different sectors, uh, trying to see and also look at the, the different uh, advancement in ERP as well. And that was uh, actually catching my attention from the start. So I became specialist in this area. So have you been involved in ERP from the start? Uh, I, I wouldn't say the, the very, very start because the very start of ERP that was MRP that was back in the 1980s. And so I started from the 1990s, but I won't share the systems that I initially looked at because they are incredibly historic now. And the whole arena has changed a lot. I think the fact that the arena has changed a lot is is, is interesting, isn't it? Because um, some people who were involved right back in the pre-cloud era have maybe trouble shifting their mindset. Do you find that? Currently, I'm looking at some organizations that are implementing uh, ERP. They are moving with their implementation to the cloud. And I can see that still the cloud thinking didn't sink in uh, very well. And they are still approaching it with some of the legacy thinking that they actually need to move on. And uh, to, so, I mean, sometimes I sit with uh, executives and say, well, it's, it needs a little bit more flexibility and uh, more forward thinking and understanding the potentials of what could happen and what else we can do. So this just opens the space to many other possibilities. And it's not like the, the old ERP system that I'm struggling to put the system in place to implement uh, the system and then to do uh, regular financial reporting. It's not like that. This is something different with lots of other uh, possibilities. You're an academic. Do you actually work closely with management as, as well to understand their point of view? Or is it done very much in a, in a sort of textbook kind of way? <laughs> no, actually, uh, my work is to work with uh, different levels of the organization, trying to understand how the implementation could succeed. So I work with, I mean, over the years, uh, I worked with CEOs, CIOs, CEOs, different directors, of course, but also different uh, users. And this is important uh, in ERP. So I'll I'll give you an example that might kind of, uh, you might find it interesting. 
in one of the implementations that I was studying, they had a very interesting uh, happening. The system was implemented, but management couldn't see properly information coming from warehouses. And they were seeing the warehouses uh, information coming in a very different way than their expectations. They were expecting uh, granular information. They couldn't find the level of granularity that the vendor promised and it is written on the box. And they couldn't understand what is going on. So for me, because I was studying that implementation and I was looking at the organization from the top to the very bottom. So I was very familiar with warehousing and how users were actually interacting with the system. I explained that actually it is the problem is sitting with the, with the users in the warehouses and how they are uh, scanning their pallets and how they are entering uh, information. So it's very important in ERP implementation that we look at the spectrum of how the system is working from the very, very end user up to the very top uh, of the organization and try to understand how the information flow is uh, happening and who needs what and whether this is all in place in the system or not. And you were able to identify that because you were studying it from end to end. It's lucky uh, they had you on board for that then. Uh, absolutely. It is important to study end-to-end processes because this is what, what ERP is all about. It, it is about having this kind of singularity, one single point of truth and having this end-to-end overview of the organization. So the implementation itself needs to have this vision, this end-to-end view of the organization. And that's why it requires a lot of change as well. So you talked there about, uh, you know, it was users. That's where the, that the problem was identified. But you work with management. Do you feel that this should be led from the top? This is something that management should be leading? Or where do you feel that the users fit in with that hierarchy? Well, I'm a, I'm a very strong uh, believer, actually, in collaborative uh, type of implementation. And I believe that the most successful ERP implementations are the implementations where users are being strongly involved from the start, from the very beginning, from the development even of the strategic vision of the system. And that management support is essential, but it cannot drive the implementation by itself. It needs strong users' involvement as well. So is there a particular methodology that you would recommend then? I I always recommend that from the beginning, we have uh, actually uh, multidisciplinary teams with the involvement of uh, management. So management is part of the team and the the users, what we call super users or uh, people who are representing the different users group, groups, they are sitting on the same table. And in many cases, by themselves, these initial workshops, they produce very interesting uh, results because for the very first time, some groups are talking to each other and breaking barriers of talking to each other. And uh, so I came to to understand, I mean, from, from also my research that 
we, we cannot implement an integrated system unless the organization itself is integrated. So we need to invest some time to integrate the organization, allow people to talk to each other in an open and friendly and safe environment. Then an integrated system will work and will work perfectly well. But bringing an integrated system like ERP just to be parachuted from the top for people who might not have talked to each other before might not work very well. Absolutely. I mean, it strikes me that these days, the sort of disciplines of things like change management and company culture have become absolutely intertwined with um, IT, which you, you would never have thought of that before. Yes, absolutely. I think that with, with time now, the technology is available and ERP is there and it has been now around for um, over 25 years, we have really very good understanding of what a successful implementation uh, looks like. But still, the challenge is how to bring the organization together, how to bring uh, people from finance, marketing, sales, HR, uh, production planning, material management, to sit down on the same table and talk to each other. Many of those groups uh, traditionally and uh, historically, they, they have not been part of, of a, a discussion uh, together. So they find a collaborative discussion of that sort uh, challenging. And this is one of the major barriers uh, for a successful uh, ERP uh, implementation, uh, in my view. I mean, yeah, it's one of them. There are other, of course, uh, barriers, but it's one of them. And do you find that um, every company has their own way of, of trying to go about it? Would you recommend uh, workshops and roadshows or do you just think they should all go to the pub together? <laughs> no, I didn't mean uh, going to the pub uh, together because <laughs> going to the pub might not be uh, the best uh, way forward as well because it has to be a, an inclusive uh, implementation. And there is a recognition now that not everyone would like to uh, to go to the pub. So uh, possibly within the organization, we need to be a very inclusive in ERP implementation, not only inclusive in terms of uh, functions and include most of the functions that we are going to uh, implement in the uh, ERP. So most of the modules, basically. But also we need uh, to include different social groups uh, within the organization. So we get to understand different points of views. Of course, on the, on the understanding that we cannot accommodate all points of views, but we have to talk when we have to reach common understanding of what can possibly work for the business. And that involves sort of really digging into people's processes and how they do things on the day on a day to day basis. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. This is, of course, part of it, because part of it, uh, ERP implementation changes um, the nature of roles within the organization, the nature of responsibilities. And uh, in some organizations, it could create this particular point could create a chaotic uh, uh, implementation. So once the system uh, goes live, we find people 
are not very clear on what they need to do and how they can extract who is going to do what, uh, who is going to approve what. So these things need to uh, be clearer upfront. Not only the implementation happens uh, smoothly, but also the first few months of uh, running the system as well. And presumably, uh, we're seeing more and more that at this point, people want to start looking at things like automation, which wasn't possible before. And you can, is this a point at which you will start identifying processes which people don't have to do anymore? Absolutely. Uh, This is now the opportunity with the new uh, cloud uh, systems that it allows us to add on uh, other uh, complementary systems that we did not have uh, the opportunity to do early on. Uh, So automation clearly is one of the key issues in implementing ERP now that we need to reconsider business processes, possibly remove some of the historical processes that happened for historical reasons within the organization and organizations keep doing it uh, part of this uh, history and legacy. Uh, We need to automate particular uh, processes that could be automated to at least remove the pressure uh, from employees' shoulders of these uh, very tedious processes. And currently, I am studying automation in uh, accounting. And people were telling me that actually it is relieving because they they, they don't do these boring, repetitive processes. So definitely automation uh, can be considered at many different levels. So automation in terms of uh, automating uh, business processes themselves, but also possibly using AI. Uh, different machine learning, computer vision, uh, conversational uh, agents. These are all opportunities and possibilities that could expand ERP even further and could create uh, benefits for the organization. Now, somebody was telling me recently when we were talking about AI, that AI isn't nearly as far advanced as some people might hope it is and that uh, it's been sort of been talked about for many, many, many years, but actually we're really only at the level of recommendation and suggestion rather than a a whole artificial intelligence taking over and doing something for us. Is that true? Yes, actually, it is successful, though. So I'm looking at, for example, my uh, recent research looking at uh, conversational agents in organizations, and it is producing good uh, results. But frankly, AI has been incredibly hyped in the sense that we approach it in the common press. And I always blame, sorry, for for, blame the the press for that. But but we approach it with movie kind of uh, mentality. So we are more thinking of Hollywood style AI that is going to to kind of take over our lives and is going to do everything for us. And we will have absolutely, we will be absolutely helpless in front of AI, because that type of AI doesn't exist. AI has not been advanced to that extent, but it has been advanced to an extent that it can produce particular results in particular areas. So it's not what we call, this is not a holistic AI that is going to run the entire organization, but it can run a particular business process it can give me forecasting, good forecasting about particular 
area of the business. So this sort of limited AI, if you if you like. So this is in academia, we just say this is just kind of granular type of AI, and it does work in many cases. Yes. You've mentioned a couple of studies that you've been involved with. What happens to these studies? Because your knowledge, I mean, you could come and work for us tomorrow, and um, <laughs> you probably. You'd probably be uh, one of our top people, um, but, you, but you don't do it practically, do you? You study it. And so do you then provide your recommendations to people like us or what, what happens to those academic studies? Yes, what happens to them? This is a, a long uh, story. And just to cut it short, we still need uh, to work in this collaboration between academia and business because there is a huge still barrier, particularly in the, in the UK, where I am based. It's not these barriers do not exist in other uh, countries. So my colleagues in Scandinavia, for example, they will work uh, closely uh, with businesses and they are actually much more welcomed. Uh, than uh, in the UK. In the UK, still, we work with the barrier between academia and business and business. I mean, sometimes I get frustrated because the business I am studying, they would not ask me to do um, a recommendation. However, by the end of my research, I know the business inside out and they would prefer to uh, to, con- to go for a consultant. And I was like, mm, actually, I can help. So, yes, I think that we need to work uh, with that. Uh, possibly part of it is translation of some of the academic work. And part of it is business acceptance that academics, particularly in applied uh, science, like in my area, my research is about studying business. So uh, they, they might also need to consider that I know something or people like me would know something about business. Well, absolutely. And um, I think we have some people in our um, Pioneer Business One um, operation who get fed through from a college, St. Vincent College in the United States, and they create the most wonderful, you know, talented Business One students who can then go and work in business. But it seems that that's maybe more of an American model than uh, something that, that we do in the UK. Do you think that should change then? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm dreaming of it uh, changing every single day. I say to myself, it will get better. And one day we will be sitting on the same uh, table uh, discussing our problems and, and face them together because business and academia are not far from each other. Uh, we are just looking at the same things uh, sometimes from, uh, it's, it's one coin. Maybe sometimes we, we look at it from different faces of the same coin. Sometimes we will look at them from exactly the same face. So in, in, in my case, for example, many companies actually approach me. Sometimes they approach me because they looked at my research and they feel that they want to learn more. And then I can, I, I just run something for them and they, they find it beneficial. So Talking is always beneficial, and I always tell uh, people it's free. <laughs> Use UK academia because it is free. Uh, so far, it's like this is what we are doing, and, and we love doing it. Fantastic. Now, I can't let you go without um, asking you to make some commentary about you, you wanted to talk about critical success factors. One of the 
biggest critical success factors is the partner that you work with. So um, if you wouldn't mind just saying a few words about, you know, selecting partners. And obviously I will stand back and I won't sort of advertise, but you, you give me your tips for how maybe you might choose the best um, partners to work with. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to ERP, of course, the, the appetite uh, of the business is to reduce cost. And organizations focus too much on reducing cost and do not think about potentials and do not think about future and long-term benefits. So for me, I mean, what I've learned over the years is that ERP is a long-term investment. It is an investment that might not produce results as of today, but it will pay off and it will pay off with organizational effort to work with its capability. So it gives a lot of capabilities. And from this understanding, vendor selection is crucial, but it cannot happen only based on cost. It's not tendering. So I had a project in the construction industry where tendering is is about cost. And we had a lot of discussions about, can we think differently? And in construction, this is how things are happening. They focus on cost, not on benefits, not of potentials, not of the R&D process of the vendor not of possible support, organizational support that the vendor can uh, give, they don't consider all of that. So I would say that for an organization to select a vendor, they need to be very careful about that selection to think about the the R&D process of the vendor, think about what the vendor can bring uh, to the table in terms of novelty and understanding and creativity of business processes, what kind of business processes the vendor uh, can offer, because this is what really uh, matters. ERP is about potentials. And if we cannot unlock the potentials, then we are stuck. We are having an investment, but we cannot benefit from the investment. What we need, we need to open up this investment to more and more potentials. And that's why organizations need to select the vendor that has this vision of what is next and what else can happen with the ERP system. That's fantastic. That's such a great closing line. I'm going to have to leave it there. But that was brilliant. Thanks so much, Amini. Thank you for joining me. It's really been fascinating. Um, We're really not that far apart, are we? The practical and the academic, not nearly as far apart as you might imagine. So thank you very much for joining me. Do check out the show notes um, and I'll drop some links into where you can find Amini's work. That's all for now. Do please join me next time for more business-related chat on the growth business. Take care. Goodbye.